0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 508 on Wednesday, the 11th of January, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello,
1: I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be watching cities flex their legislative muscles. (laughs) I'll be trying not to lose my cool over security twice. And we discover a slice of Mulvan in Nashville. Sorry, I've just got to congratulate you on putting
0: that tongue twister in right as the first menu item (laughs) and making it on the first
1: go just about (laughs) uh should we jump into the new news though because there is no follow-up uh this is the beginning of the month and the end of the year so that can only mean alan
0: yes it's the SMT new car registration figures way Feel like uh, Kermit the Frog at start the Muppet Show there. <laughs> overall, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about December just shortly, and then come back to the year today. But overall, uh, for 2022, there was a two percent fall compared to 2021. That obviously, at the moment, is being down to supply chain issues with the way the economies are going globally, et cetera, then, of course, there's not that much certainty right at the moment, because it could be that once the supply chain figures are are solved, then we move into there being less demand overall, potentially, given the rise in interest rates and all sorts of stuff. Alternatively, there could be so much pent-up demand and people still wanting to go ahead with vehicles they've ordered, that it could stay just fine for most of 2023. But because we don't have a time machine, that's just guesswork, <laughs> or estimation, as it's also known. Let's skip ahead to December. Petrol is dominant as a fuel source. Uh, obviously, having an ele- electricity in the mix is very, very strong as well. So the market share for pure battery electric vehicles for December was 32.9% diesel dropping wildly very very low market share 3.1 percent for december obviously year-to-date figures a little bit more leveled out these are actually towards the extremities uh, and we'll see why in just a moment uh, whenever we get to the best sellers list you'll never guess what we're now at the best sellers list And it's for sellers, but actually it's registers as us, but that doesn't look as good as the title of a table. I do wish to change it to something else, though. Coming in at number 10, at 1,782. So not particularly strong numbers this month. Generally, December's not a not normally a big registration month because people have so many other things to spend their money on. Yep. I mean, really, we've got to wait until March, April, before we start to get back to properly indicative numbers yeah. uh, in a year. If you're wondering why that is it's because January is a short month because people are still on holiday at the start of it February is a short month and then March is a new registration number so it tends to gather up the January and Februarys and then April is a normal month again yeah so uh Ford Puma 1782 with one registration more at number 9 is the <laughs> Nissan Leaf <laughs> number 8 is the Ford Fiesta number 7 is a Volvo XC40 crazy to think that Volvo XC models out-registering a Ford Fiesta, really. Number six is the take-a-drink Toyota Yaris with uh, 2,020. Number five, the Volkswagen T-Roc. Number four, after a bit of a jump of about a 1,000, is the MINI at 3,313. Number three is the Nissan Qashqai 3,506. And there's obviously been a number of ships in because at number two is a Tesla Model 3 with 5,704. And number one's Tesla Model Y with ten thousand six hundred and sixty four.
1: But also on top of the boats being in, which is impressive, China opening up from lockdowns.
0: Yes, absolutely, because European uh, models three and Y do come from China, not the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, the many of these are pent up demand from quite a long time. I'm going to say a terrible thing, and people are going to accuse me of Tesla bashing probably, but it's just because that many were registered in December, I do wonder how many were delivered in December. But hey, that's a different They're not question. the only one, though, as one of the articles last week. <laughs> last week, yeah. Okay, so so I mean, that's pretty much across the, uh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre, pre, pre-registering. Yes. Because you don't know if they've registered as soon as they've got a VIN number. Yeah. Stellantis were called on it. Because they've got a dealer network. Others, their dealer networks may not be quite if they have a dealer network, dealer networks may not be quite as vocal uh, on the subject. Yeah. I think that was fair and balanced. Yes, I think so. Do you want to just run through the quick full year top ten? Yes, so for the full year, number ten, Ford Fiesta, twenty-five thousand and seventy. Number nine, Ford Cougar, twenty-six thousand five hundred and forty-nine. Uh, Number eight, Volkswagen Golf, seven, Hyundai Tucson, six, the Kia Sportage. Number five, the Mini, 32,387. Number four, the Ford Puma, 35,088. Number three, the Tesla Model Y. Now, bear in mind that 10,664 of those were registered in the last month. Otherwise, it would not be on this list. No, it wouldn't. Thirty-five thousand five hundred fifty-one. Yes, the slow speaking was the mental arithmetic being done to work out if it was going to be number ten or just below. Um, number two, the Vauxhall Corsa with thirty-five thousand nine hundred and ten, and number one, the Nissan Qashqai, which gives us a bit of a late, bit of a late lead there, didn't it? It
1: was it sort of came uh, in last, halfway through the year uh, from the last half of the year.
0: It, yeah, it it's was, really it was
1: got an uptick.
0: Steady performance and then accelerating, which is not something that people often say about a cash guy. uh, For forty-two thousand seven hundred and four registrations in twenty twenty-two. Yep. Just a quick note, by the way. uh, The Tristan Young's normal breakdown of vehicles by by what fuel you put into them. There's a link to the broken news article in the the show notes just to say over i mean market shares relatively steady with battery electric vehicle kind of taking up the market share from diesel yep um petrol 67.5% market share battery electric vehicle for 2022 16.55 um that's uh, as opposed to 11.58 last year diesel 9.6% market share as opposed to 14% last year Plug-in hybrid is roughly steady at 6.28%. Yep. And that's kind of how it goes. Petrol,
1: battery, diesel,
0: plug-in hybrid. It's just a breakdown of, of fuels.
1: Yeah. Also in that article is a really interesting couple of lists that show the volume changes and which manufacturers who sold uh, 5,000 or more cars in 2022 or registered them, who were up and who were down. It's actually a really fascinating list. Also, there's some explanation behind that as well, and a bit more digging into that, because what appears to be on the surface, it should be so, is not quite the case. So if you're interested in all this stuff, do go read the Broken News article from Tristan Young, because he does a really good job.
0: One last figure before we move on to the spreadsheet of Doom. 42,704 cash guys registered in the UK last year. There were 42,762 transit customs, that's the middle-size transit, Registered so there were more of the mo- most popular van registered in 2022 than of the most popular passenger car. Yes,
1: spreadsheet of doom, and I will doom quite quickly. Our bath down 70%, Alfa Romeo down 29%, Bentley down 17%, even though they had a record year, mm-hmm. Citroën down 32%. Uh, Dacia down forty six, DS down sixty three, and Fiat down uh, thirty two, not ninety thirty two percent. Sorry, I was making them much worse than they really were. <laughs> uh, Honda is down sixty seven percent. Jaguar is down thirty two percent. And again, these are all on twenty twenty one figures. Mercedes Benz is down twenty one percent. Mini down fifteen percent. Peugeot down sixty nine percent. Smart down 49%, Subaru down 15%, which, okay, right. So 2021, that's 176 vehicles registered.
0: 2022, 149. Okay, they're down 34% overall over the year, though.
1: Yeah, that is true. And then the last company that went down significantly was Vauxhall down 45%. Alan, mm-hmm. cheer us up, because there is quite a bit of green, actually. There is. There's
0: just quite a lot of vehicle within the sort of threshold this month. Uh, Alpine up fifty four percent, Audi up seventeen percent, Ford up fifty four percent, Genesis up one thousand three hundred and eighty one percent from eleven to one hundred and sixty three cars. Well done. Uh, Jeep up fifty, Kia up nineteen, Lexus up one hundred and thirty four. That's good because they had a bad month last month. Mm. Mazda up eighty five percent, MG up one hundred and sixty percent. Nissan up 23, Polestar up 155, Porsche up 38, uh, Renault up 131, Seat up 91, Tesla up 70, uh, Volkswagen up 48, and other British up 37.21. It's also worth giving an honourable mention to GM Aura, who, with 21 vehicles registered, have made their first ever entry into the new car registrations spreadsheet of doom.
1: Yes, looking forward to them fighting with Genesis for the MG Monthly Award of Incredible Percentage Rises.
0: I was worried where you were going there. I was looking forward to them fighting with Genesis, and I thought, that's a quite different market segment. (laughs) Um, But yes, I I see exactly what you mean. Anyway, uh, should we go to the first story that involves London, Andrew?
1: (laughs) Yes, this is the news that as of the 1st of January, newly registered or new registered private hire vehicles now have to have zero emission capabilities. That means that they need to either emit no more than 50 grams per kilometer of CO2 and be capable of driving with zero emissions for 10 miles, or emit no more than 75 grams per kilogram of CO2 and capable of zero emission driving for 20 miles. If it is a hybrid engine with an internal combustion engine, the internal combustion ebit must meet the euro 6
0: standard the thing about this unusually is that this was announced some years ago yes as a result people have already been working towards this this is not a new out of the blue pronouncement
1: no it's not an expansion on something this has been well known <laughs>
0: This has been well known and people have been aware of this for some considerable time. So really it's just a reporting of this is what's happening, this is this took effect on the first of January. Everybody knew about it and was kind of in agreement-ish, mm. or at least the major groups were. It, on the 1st of January already, 25% of London minicabs, private hire vehicles, were already uh, already met that. 40% of London black cabs already met that. So a fair chunk and percentage of uh, of vehicles already on the road already met these new standards.
1: Yep. Uh, and just a quick note talking of uh, expansions unknown uh, or recently dropped on us. The ULES expansion that's going to happen on the 29th of August this year will incorporate a scrappage scheme starting on the 30th of January. And I was quite interested to see that this has included e-cargo bikes as one of the vehicles or transportation options that you can get a grant for if you are scrapping a non-compliant vehicle.
0: So there's a whole new and interesting way of getting run over on the pavements in London.
1: I just wonder when they introduce a licensing system and then start charging people for having an e-cargo bike. Don't go there. Just don't. Cynical me. Cynical, cynical me. Well, we'll oh. get to a
0: story about that very soon because that's not that would not be unique.
1: Do you want to tell us where is the worst place to sit in a car? Yes, it's London. <laughs> okay, next, <laughs> <Based> on- <laughs>
0: and that's based on an analysis of over a thousand cities in fifty countries and seven continents, and it's by Inrix. Inrix have released their twenty twenty two global traffic scorecard. And it really talks about how long, on average, a driver in the city will be delayed in traffic. Not necessarily sitting still, but will be delayed uh, in traffic. And it's it's not great for London, really. I think no. that's fair to say. So London tops the list. They, they've published the top 25 uh, as part of the free report, the linky in the show notes, etc. So London is top with 156 hours of delay per driver on average. That's up 5% from 2021 and up 5% from pre-COVID. So pre-COVID, uh, there is a definition of it in the report and it's saying it's basically from 20, 2019. Yeah. They've taken year on year uh, and they have also looked, well, they've actually looked back all four years, but they've, they've looked back and, and seen what, what the percentage changes versus 2019 as a baseline. The average downtown speed in london is 10 miles an hour and that's down nine percent as well if you want to know the rest of the top top couple i suppose so london is 156 chicago illinois 155 paris france but i'm in america i have to say that now paris france is 138 hours and then at four is boston massachusetts look what you've done alan i know i've just ruined 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 traffic they've gone from 18th to fourth Uh, but if if you look at some of these you can kind of go well okay i understand what i understand why that might be the case paris of course there have been changes in speed limits uh, all sorts of changes in traffic flows and stuff Mm. london obviously there's been the introduction of many of these speed limited areas closing off one road
1: local traffic networks
0: local traffic network that's the one yeah the local traffic networks have have been introduced so that may well have a a push there Uh, here in boston then quite frankly much of the public transport system isn't working So there are issues with the orange line on the T and things like that, which mean that more people – and delays on the red line, which means that more people are driving into the city than taking public transport, which they were doing before. Mm. um, before. Uh, There's also – there's a really interesting report, actually, because it also looks at business districts as opposed to just the general area. It looks at the most delayed traffic and driving corridors – as well it's broken down by continent lots of fun and interesting things if you are nerdy and if you're
1: interested in this kind of thing but they they look at uh, safety as well as cost yeah and as well as the changing in habits of uh, where we travel in the urban areas they call it downtown trips. so it's uh, they're talking about uh, people go actually going back on the commute is essentially mm-hmm. what it is and and how that has changed uh, particularly when you look at the timeline of it towards the end of the year as well, when you yeah. could dig into the reports and you can get into, if you're particularly looking at the British side of things, you can see how things have increased towards the end of the year. And I think that really ties a little bit into railway strikes and tube strikes. Yeah. But also there does seem to be an uptick of people going back into the office. Mm-hmm. There is,
0: by the way, the worst bit of traffic road in the UK is the a219 southbound from Fulham road to Morden hall road around about 5 p.m on average you'll lose 12 minutes on that 47 hours in total uh, in 2022 stuck on that piece of road outside of london the worst is the is in birmingham it's the a45 eastbound between bordersley circus and henry road around 4 4 pm on average you'll lose nine minutes every day uh, which totals up to 37 hours over the course of the year yep
1: i'm going to continue the city's theme but i'm going to take us to barcelona particularly when i look out the window today
0: it was the first time <laughs> that we met
1: and this is the news that barcelona city council are going to introduce what is being described as a pioneering tax to regulate the uh, as is described in this city's Regulate the use of public space by large e-commerce delivery companies. Now they are going to add a tax onto uh, effectively Amazon.
0: That's what they're calling it. They're calling it the Amazon tax. Yeah, because they're going be to hit the hardest. It's not actually called the pioneering tax. It's, yeah, because
1: yeah. it's going to be they're going to hit the, the hardest. What they are saying, the economy chief of Barcelona City Council says, we want local traders to have equal fiscal conditions compared to the major e-commerce platforms who have a very high market share so they're couching it initially as we are fighting for businesses in our city not to be undermined by those who don't have the same uh, the same overheads and the same constraints as people who have bricks-and-mortar shops in the town.
0: As lo- as local businesses do.
1: Yeah, we. but it also goes on to talk about how uh, having, this, having so many uh, delivery vehicles actually adds to the congestion of streets. It pollutes the air um, on top of putting local commerce at risk. Now, Barcelona is one of the C40 group, which is a group of cities around the world who are getting together to start making their own regulations and moving quicker than the national governments are in terms of, well, it, it's originally set up as environmental reasons, but obviously scope creep will come into that as they find they can do what they like. Environmental
0: reasons and taxation reasons do tend to be quite closely linked.
1: Yes. Cause it seems to be the solution to everything is tax it. We'll, we'll, mm. we'll make the planet better by taxing people. Is that, is that making it better? I'm, yet to be no convinced. but it makes more tax andrew and yes, that's important i know i would imagine the other c39s are watching this with interest and by the way london is one of those mm. just do bear this in mind and this is in it's an inevitable thing that will happen if we are told don't travel unless you're staying local okay, you can travel local, but you need to use an active travel option. And then, you know, it gets pared down and down and down to either walking or a bicycle because they don't like you using a scooter locally now. You have to go further than where you Mm -hmm. can walk. Yeah. Of course, people go, well, I just won't leave. I'll get stuff delivered. So now you're cutting off that option because you're saying that's adding to congestion. I'm still struggling to understand, and I, I've been struggling with that degrowth nature article I retweeted a few weeks ago. To understand what people are aiming, or what these suggestions are aiming to do, is I fear that it is to just stop us from doing anything. But no one's saying that yet.
0: It's basically if you, you you're aiming for net zero by making everyone uh, live like a surf in the Middle Ages. That seems to be kind of where it goes.
1: Yeah. It, I mean, I've used that. I I have used the modern Dark Ages term quite a few times, and it does feel like that, and it just worries me. And because I'm not, because there's no solution to allowing people to live to the same standards they are now Mm -hmm. without it harming the environment. But no one who is suggesting we need to stop harming the environment is actually being honest with the public and saying that
0: yeah yeah, i know it's, it's i mean the best way to, to stop harming the environment is just to die quite frankly
1: well yeah we need and less even then people. if you
0: could do that quickly then 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 that would help we need less people. don't breed <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: sorry i'm well on the way to that one <laughs> before we go down the rabbit hole and get too depressed can you take us to the first of the oh god ces stories
0: <laughs> yes good news everyone or something like that. In fact, even I don't think it's good news. Qualcomm, according to the Register, Qualcomm delivers one automotive chip to rule them all. I mean, even I am sitting here, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not Andrew. Um, I, I, I like my toys. You have a more positive outlook on. Things. I have a more positive outlook on technology. It's me that insisted that there was a CES section in this week's show. But even I can see that if you try to have one chipset, one combined chipset that covers.
1: Don't break your fingers with the inverted commas here.
0: I know, I know, I know. I've got to be very careful. That covers digital cockpit, advanced driver assistance systems, and automated driving in the same architecture. That's possibly not a great idea by giving you a single point of failure.
1: Well, we have been told for years and years keep this separate when it comes to connected stuff they have to be physically se- separate you do. The, and manufacturers have made this big song and dance about oh no we we take security and all this very this seriously isn't even, so i'm not even going on a on security that. one I'm well going it on the is because one. someone will exploit it well it's- <laughs> talking of a single point of failure <laughs> yeah yeah they'll have backup options to it but to have it all in the one place that if you can get in one area of it then you've going to get in all of it Hmm. and it's just nuts
0: but andrew it's cheaper like this it's just one module instead of three or four separate modules therefore it must be better as you
1: said quite rightly and you are the person who has put it best this isn't like me this is not consumer tech this is safety critical tech yeah stop acting like it's consumer tech it's got a really good
0: name though it's called the Snapdragon Ride Flex SoC. SoC standing for System on a Chip, by the way. It's got lots of stuff. It's got a Ride Vision stack. It's all part of the Ride the Snapdragon Ride platform portfolio. I mean, these are good names. And they seem to have worked on General Motors, Renault, Volkswagen and BMW from mobile eye by the way yeah the uh, thing i was going to say there is the positive is,
1: is they've moved away from mobile eye but the bad thing is they've gone to a company that thinks it, it has just ignored safety critical systems this is a
0: frying pan this is the fire yeah okay putting this all on it's and it's not that you know i'm i'm I, i'm okay with these systems used properly in the correct places and with the appropriate safety things to stop idiots to try to stop idiots uh, misusing them you know that's as good as we it's as good as we can get that's okay i'm okay with that i do think that combining it all onto one single point of failure is i'm going to be polite and say foolish
1: to save andrew's editing i'm not i'm not i think a story two down from this will highlight how foolish this really is story two down from this the last story before the break Oh yes, that one. Yes, yes,
0: yes. yes. Sorry. sorry. (laughs) Yes, there's another story later on which shows how foolish this is. I think that's what you wanted to say, really, isn't it? Yes. So should we move on from this because I don't want to go into the details of exactly what's in part of the Snapdragon Ride Flex system on chip. No,
1: let's Um, people
0: can link. There'll be link, of course, to the register article in the show notes. You can find out much more
1: and sort of sit and with your face in your hands about that. Yep cheer us up, I'm going to talk about how luxury cars are being stolen in 90 seconds with gear that you can buy online for as little as £1,300. And
0: once again, may or may not be related to what we've just been talking about.
1: Yeah. There are, thanks to security experts, some of whom we know, uh, there are dozens of cars or dozens of uh, models of cars that have bugs that allow criminals to access the vehicle's controller area network bus, or the CAN bus to us peasants, and that allow devices to communicate with each other. Criminals are spoofing the communications and allowing them to then access certain parts of the car's security system, like immobilisers and the locks and the alarms, and then they can uh, take the car and run off with them. Unfortunately for one of our friends of the show, Ian Tabor, he has found that out himself as someone uh, did steal his RAV4 from outside his house using this very method. And unfortunately, the advice from manufacturers on how to counter this is to buy one of those huge disc Disc locks and stick it over your steering wheel. Other than that, there's nothing you can do. Did you
0: see another friend another friend of the
1: show is having a similar
0: challenge with his new vehicle because he was like oh do I buy one of these disk locks and everybody said oh you probably should and he went to the manufacturer's own insurance company who said no we're not covering that it's too much of a risk oh wow oh wow yeah yeah and and again these you know gone in 90 seconds it, it's it's yeah
1: so there is Uh, A link in the article, uh, link in the show notes to the Times article that talks about this particular incident. And if you can access uh, Mastodon, I've also put a link to something from another friend of the show, Ken Tyndall, where he highlights exactly the sort of thing that is happening to other vehicles and how they're uh, accessing a car, both physically and digitally, to enable a fairly quick and unobtrusive theft really
0: what's what's ken's ken's tip to car manufacturers never connect anything that's in you was it pin seven or something of the obd port never connect anything to pin seven of the obd port that can ultimately connect to the internet yeah that's his simplest way for manufacturers to get rid of a lot of a lot of this sort of problem um however spoofing is slightly different
1: Yeah. Do you want to take us to the last really cheerful story that didn't at all make me angry at all when I read it and then reread it? <laughs> Everyone, we're trying to get all
0: of this anger out of the way before the CES stuff, okay? Otherwise, he might just explode. So there is some logic to this, mostly because I don't want to watch his head just go. Uh, over over the video so this last story is about car companies massively exposed to web vulnerabilities this is not a massive surprise the articles on portswigger.net which is not a publication i'm particularly familiar with but it's pointing out the web applications and the apis so the the sort of interfaces and the conversations that happen between web portals and vehicles and the vehicle support systems of major car manufacturers telematics so that's vehicle tracking stuff fleet operators it, they're just full of security holes i mean that's not a not a massive surprise really this stuff has uh, relied on security through obscurity for a long long time you just can't do that anymore and guess there's a number of vulnerabilities so there's an example and particularly where stuff goes from being a web portal to communicating with the vehicle or vehicles uh, security researchers Sam Curry and a few of his friends uh, found a vulnerability in the mobile app of a scooter fleet at the University of Maryland. It meant that they could make the horns and headlights of all the scooters on the campus turn on and stay on for fifteen minutes.
1: <laughs> so that sounds. F- that, that, that so sounds you quite hear funny. that and you go, "Oh, that's fun! Oh, that's I, quite that's, funny." There's yes. nothing to that. However, they d- yes, there is. However. however,
0: moving on from that. The same sort of poorly configured API endpoint that was used for generating passwords for the web portals BMW and Rolls-Royce, so no high net worth owners there, meant that potentially attackers could take over those accounts. So sure, it's amusing when it's a scooter network. It's less funny when you start to think it was BMW, it's Rolls-Royce, Mercedes-Benz had an issue with their single sign-on. Uh, all these kind of things, Kia with their dealers, Ferraris, web applications, all these things. Uh, Yeah, the list goes on and on and on. And this is why Andrew gets angry with it, uh, angry about it. It's a really interesting article here. Basically, and this is where it's, it's, this comes into the whole software is hard, Volkswagen software company. So, you know, I'm expecting to not see Volkswagen appear in these kind of things. But again, it's making these things obvious. I mean, even flipping Twitter, all right? Here's one that gets my goat. And I've been doing very well at blocking out the fail whale recently. I seem to have managed to just eliminate him. But he tweeted, "As we're doing a code review the other week. And he wasn't. And what was quite clearly drawn on the whiteboard in the background was a technical infrastructure diagram showing the multiple layers securities there were protocols written on it there was all sorts of stuff that sure it doesn't give everything away but it would give any kind of hacker a leg up mm. it's just stupid just don't do that kind
1: of thing because anything that's exposed to the internet is exposed yeah sorry um in the show notes there is a link to this uh, summary article which alan has talked about and then there will be a link to the actual uh report from sam curry and you do need to look through that just to see how many manufacturers, how many suppliers and service providers are actually impacted on stuff that is, when it comes to cybersecurity, really quite basic stuff. This is, Again, this is, this is the frustration with it. It's so basic. It's so fundamental that, that it shows that these companies don't care and don't get someone in to help out. What, what gets me is that I
0: sometimes work with manufacturers as part of day job. And obviously I don't talk about the pod- podcast because NDAs and stuff. And I know that the kind of hoops that I have to jump through to get access to a system sister my employer sells, which is not mission critical in any way, shape, or form. It does contain information. It's not connected to anything. It's not going to break anything. And if you know it, you'll know some stuff, but it shouldn't make a huge difference. But I know the hoops I have to jump through for that. And then basically they go outside, undo their flies and and wave everything about on the web to not even customers. Uh, It's quite frustrating from that point of view, from a professional point of view. Yep. And it's one of the reasons why I get all grumpy about it.
1: Yep, absolutely. Let's take a brief pause in my anger and let you tell everybody about Give a Minute.
0: (laughs) (laughs) right folks it is guilt minute quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running if you feel that the poetry podcast is worth a small consideration every month then you can become a patron different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you including being able to watch the show recorded live we also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts If you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, and some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Thank you, everyone who does. That was guilt 30 seconds
1: today. Mm -hmm.
0: So efficient with your listening time. Yes, absolutely.
1: Right, let's get started. CES, that happened last week. Big thing, Las Vegas, all the tech people turn up, and it now includes automotive.
0: Right. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's just quickly remind ourselves why CES exists. So the original reason for CES was a way of the manufacturers showing off their new refrigerators to all of the mom and pop hardware stores across the US. It was held in Las Vegas because it was just after Christmas, and people like to go to Las Vegas because it's sunny. And um, that's what it was all about, and that's what it was about for most of its life. Recently, it has been taken over by the big tech giants trying to show off and wave their bits at people to show off the latest, greatest ideas that are coming forever and ever. And they're definitely coming, and these are going to be great. And over the last few years, it's been taken over by co-manufacturers. Uh, first of all, it was Ford, revealing the Focus Electric. Yes, that was a thing, everyone, uh, some time ago. Uh, and it's grown a little bit since then what happens is that car manufacturers show off concept cars now we're car people we're used to the idea of a concept car and we're used to the idea of a concept car showing off stuff which may or may not actually ever make it to production <laughs> tech journalists are slightly different they get shown something and they go oh my god this is the greatest thing in the world we're gonna have this immediately this is wonderful oh goodness, this is brilliant." and then anything that is shown as a concept seems to be truth And that is the challenge that there is with some of the coverage of automotive stuff (laughs) on CES, is that what is a concept is taken as truth. And also, it's January. There is no other sodding news around. People have to fill websites. They have to generate clicks. They have to fill newspaper and magazine columns. And therefore, it goes everywhere. And people like Andrew explode. (laughs) Is that a fair summary? Has
1: that sort of. It is. It is a perfect summary. So, in the show notes, will be two articles from Jalopnik that cover both ends of that spectrum. So, we have one that is titled CES Just Became the World's Most Important Auto Show. And that's by Tim
0: Stevens, formerly
1: of whatever the Condé Nast car bit was that they've just got rid of. Okay. And then one that is from friend of the show, Ed Niedermeyer, that says, nothing at CES 2023 can solve the nightmare of getting around Las Vegas. Guess which one I sort of lean towards.
0: <laughs> I can't but, possibly imagine. But they're
1: both there for you to see at what CES is all about, but also the reality of what you see at CES.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Alan, do you want to take us to... So
0: let's start. I'm I'm going to quickly run off that one because we don't have a separate story on it. So I'm going to take from Tim's. Is the wonderfully named Sony Honda Mobility a feeler? If I got one person commenting whenever I said, I wonder how much they paid for that awful name on Twitter, commenting, I wonder if there's going to be an RS performance version. (laughs) And whether or not there's going to be another version called the Up as the highest range, and all these things. I mean, it's just really awful. Now, the thing is that this is not expected to come to market for at least three to four years. (laughs) They said themselves, three to four years. And an awful lot can change in that time. So let's let's just keep an eye on it. It's also bloody dull. Sorry. And that's going to be a theme that we come back to. It is dull.
1: It is, for me, that is what would be produced if you went to one of these AI chat bot thingies that don't get me started oh, don't on don't you go on that one but as if well. no i'm not going on one but if you put one in and said please draw me generic modern electric saloon that's yeah. what it is to me it is so dull it is so tedious and what everybody who's been pant wetting themselves about this car seems to forget it's got sony involved renowned for being superb at security And all the rest of it when it comes to software. Talking of the first part of the show,
0: not not just that. Also, Sony either stuff is a massive success or a total and
1: utter failure, and three times out of four, it's a total and utter failure. So, I'm still, I still cannot work out. I cannot fathom this this partnership. I I I do not think it's going to work. Let's just say it's
0: marginally more real than the Apple Car in that they have actually shown a thing, and an intent. But I can't say much more. I can't be more generous than that. No. Not even I can be more generous than that. (laughs) And I'm the nice one. Yeah. Take us to BMW then. Move us on. (laughs) BMW showed a car that changes color. Uh, It's called the iVision D concept. and, And it previews an All Electric 3 Series. If the All Electric 3 Series looks like this, I will be very happy bunny indeed. Obviously, it's going to have door handles. It's going to have wing mirrors. It's going to have bumpers. But I love the form of this thing it just looks great obviously that's not what it's all about it's all about showing off the tech um so the big thing about this is that it changed color and i'm told that it was the best looking color changing concept that people have seen and that's people who have seen many of
1: them sorry that's that's a that's a chart is it god almighty well, that was a chart by I, a I do sorry I that do was just me. that's sometimes. just me that's just me said that i do that, despair
0: That's just, no, that was someone saying, actually, it works really well. It's really nice and vivid, even under these bright lights, whereas normally the colors are all muddy. Okay, great. I mean, obviously, it's a concept. It's showing off something. It's The person was not saying that it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. No, 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 I get that. I get that. I I also don't understand why you want a color-changing car. My, My favorite ones are these ones where it says the color will change with your mood. I don't want it. I don't want a pulsing black and purple car. Thank you very much.
1: Well, it's a lie anyway, but anyway. I know, it's a lie. I have to be positive because I'm not going to be very positive for the rest of this stuff. I do like the design. I like that the win, cleanness. Everyone. I, I like the, the fact that it is not made up of swoop slashes and mm-hmm. the silliness that we see at the moment. I like that. Other than that, everything else about this car just made me say, Why?
0: So yes, yeah, so the other thing was that of course that that was that the interior is going to have uh, everything's going to be projected and all that kind of stuff. Basically, I've got a funny feeling they did at the outside, but they didn't really spend much time on the inside and just went, yeah, yeah, we'll just make it all sort of projected and cool and heads up display because that means we don't have to really design much more of a dashboard than just some forms.
1: Well, they're talking about this head up display being in there. cars from twenty twenty five, and great Uh, this is is from the same company that said oh yeah touchscreens are going to get banned because they're distracting and yet you want to
0: yes but they have ruined
1: the point of a head-up display which is it gives you minimal information and allows you to concentrate on the road you stick it full width then they will put more info in it yes it's
0: concept car blur don't worry i i really i am not concerned about that in in the least bit what we will see is uh, I bet what we'll see is Volkswagen-style, that sort of augmented, here's the arrow that shows you which way you turn at the junction stuff. Far more likely that it's going to be that, certainly in the first two or three iterations, and then it will either fade off or it will work by then. Right at the minute, it's a concept, and
1: it's an Oh, idea. No, 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 I've got it. I know what will happen. Oh, no. The passenger will have to pay a subscription to see the other half of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to move us on to yeah, Peugeot because do. this was uh, another concept which I quite like the look of. I mean, it's not based in any reality, but I like the look of. And this is uh, the Inception concept, and apparently from 2025, Peugeots will feature a lot of the hints of this in their electric Peugeots. I'm well, okay, cool. good luck. I think that. it
0: looks nice. I, I, I like, I, I like the
1: design. I like the design. One thing though, right? I, and i looked at this and i know it's only a concept and i know it's uh, is this know, it's going not to be real. the steering wheel steering how what? are you supposed to see the speedo? looking how low those seats are oh, and that's... how high that wheel is even if it comes down oh andrew stop you it. it's a rendering it's not even a physical model i know but but it's no at least it's, it's try easy. and base it in some sort of reality that might make i make wouldn't, it. i really don't <laughs> think that that's something to worry about but i like the lines of it i like the design i like the front end i like the back end uh i very much i like what they've done with the looks okay good that's as
0: positive as we're ever going to get yeah yes i think it looks great anyway right speaking of things which don't look great uh volkswagen <laughs> also unveiled the id.7 well when i say unveiled what they showed was they showed uh, a sort of Imagine a sort of QR code disguise wrap with some rainbow colors underneath where the white bits would be covering a shape, which at first, certainly at first in a bit of advanced study makes the Sony Honda mobility, Affila look interesting and exciting. Mm. This seems to blend all the uh, panache and style of an ID.3 with all the panache and style of the Mexican built uh, Jetta and Passat. Uh, which you get in North America, meaning that it's a vehicle that, unless there is something amazing happening under there, is going to be missing an awful lot of panache and style. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> I don't know, what's the I, what's the dullest EV that there is out there? That's intentionally EV. I can't even think of the ID
1: three is the dullest uh, looking one. Uh, no, well, I suppose it could be one of the. They're dul- all bland. The the ID family is very very okay. I'll be kind here. Neutral. Its looks. Yes, the, 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 the derivatives are much better looking, and much rather a Cooper born It does not excite or offend anyone in
0: any way. Well, and that's exactly what you can expect from the ID7, but in saloon format.
1: Yes. And Supposedly, they made a big
0: deal here. The big innovation in the ID7 is that the, sli- the touch sliders below the screen will be backlit and illuminated from behind so you can see what
1: you're touching which is a big step up over any of the current ones. Interestingly, this is from the same company that a month ago said we're bringing buttons back into cabins because we've realised we've made a mistake. I think that this
0: was probably
1: designed before that particular yeah, yeah. announcement. I know, I know. I know.
0: So anyway, there's something to look forward to if
1: you're, you know, suffering from sleep deprivation. Okay, final thing then. Final yeah, thing, hit the, hit talking the final of thing interiors, which don't excite us chrysler have yeah have shown off their future plans uh guess what it is everyone yes you're right screens everywhere no buttons why just uh, that that was my overall thing uh, sentiment from the whole of cs was just why that why have you done that it does does any of that add any excitement or make it better for someone to be driving that car no pretty much in all of those no
0: okay uh, the funny thing is that chrysler of course it only makes its money from all the ruggedized things with all the buttons and the, the knobs yeah. and the rubbery bits the the chrysler brand and stuff doesn't make money it's it's all jeep yeah so so it's kind of curious to be showing the i don't know if that's chrysler generically or otherwise but uh the funny thing is of course that chrysler you know it, Peugeot, we've just said, oh we quite like that, and the interior there showed loads of buttons and stuff, and of course, it's all Stellantis, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, on that on that theme, there was not that it's relevant to us, but there was a Ram electric Ram pickup that people got excited about from Murica, but it's but, still a
0: couple of years away from from yeah. manufacture. You can already go out here and buy a Ford F one fifty Lightning, the uh, GM. Platform is is on its way. It's if it's not already launched, I think it's imminent. Yeah, Chrysler are uh, Chrysler traditionally used to lead. They, they they led, or at least they were second, and then GM lagged some way behind. That doesn't seem to be the case at the moment. Uh, Chrysler very much third yeah. uh, from the big three.
1: Yep. Let's go to our recommendations of the week, starting with the lunchtime read, Alan. Well, this
0: lunchtime read is it's been around a little. I, I don't know if it's been around a little while. It's been it's been written by. About something that happened a little while ago uh, it is by Fred of the Jew Jim McGill at the also on on Twitter I'm sure many of you will follow him and he's talked about driving around Ma- Nashville in a Morgan Aero 8 and it is it is just nicely written and it sounds like a lovely way to spend an evening quite yes. frankly so it's at littlefiatadventures.blogspot.com but you'll find that there's a link in the show notes, as always.
1: We will. I'm going to take us to the list of the week, and this list of the week is from Motoring Research and titled 20 Superb Swedish Cars, and it's from the Motoring Research team. Alan, you know what I'm going to ask you? Oh, no, we talked about this before, and it's so and difficult. And this is almost an impossible list to pick one. Do you know I what feel. I like? It is an cool. impossible list. I
0: like the Saab 9000. Okay. That's a good choice. In in pure form Saab 9000. I know everyone's going to tell me it's the v- Chrome I manual, but I also like the Alpha 164 and stuff. So mm-hmm. so so yes, no, I really like that in in sort of early turbo form.
1: <laughs> Somebody near here used to have a Carlson one of those. Oh, it's a bit too many sticky on bits for me. I think it was just a bit too much for the car. That's what yes. the problem was. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, but no, one of those would be very very lovely.
1: Nice way to get around, I think. Okay. Right. As there's 20, I'm going to pick one. And I'm going to pick the Volvo 240 because I have very fond memories of it. Before we had the Citroen CX estate, we had one of these. And one of my abiding memories is us rescuing a pigeon chick because we were renting a house on a farm and we reared it and everything. And it decided that my dad was its dad. So it would follow him around and it would come to see him when he came back from work. And often in the morning, my dad would drive off with the pigeon clinging to the aerial, and he would get some distance from the house, like a mile away, before he decided to let go as he was getting faster and faster. <laughs> so I have very fond memories of the uh, the two forty.
0: Very cool. I think they, they were a, a staple of the well, along the seven forties, staple of my school car parks. We had we had a nine forty. Ooh. Mm, it was the s the most basic one with the the automatic gearbox it could just about ah. move itself uphill almost yes. it also had manual locking and windy windows all around
1: but it still had heated seats <laughs> all the important stuff sorted yeah <laughs> right do you want to take us to the finally, then
0: and finally it's just really sort of filling in for filling in for the ces ne- negativity here it's another friend of the show uh, formerly or uh, former of twitter it is um Matteo carter uh, wrote the life on youtube uh, and he's got an excellent uh, your most many of you may know he's an automotive historian he specializes in alfa romeo and the italian brands but uh, he's got one out for the secret alpha and it's the story of the alfa romeo scahabeo a well worth uh, all mateo's Matteo's videos are well well worth a watch mm-hmm. and then listen if only for his accent, but also because oh, yeah, he's a everything is voice. <laughs> immaculately researched. Yep. Do do like and subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. YouTube stuff. Yep. Uh, that's just about it. Thanks again, by the way, to Alex Grant for standing in last yes. week. Thank much, you very much appreciated. Alex. It was it was it was excellent, had a lot of a lot of fun. It was less angry. Definitely
1: less angry. <laughs>
0: Oh, as well as that, a couple of special editions out over Christmas. If you haven't listened to them yet, uh, there is one about the Kia EV6 GT line, uh, and also one about the Scion TC and me trying not to get all angry and angry about uh, <laughs> buying cars in, in the US. Uh, some the other time there'll be an, there'll be an unedited version <laughs> uh, of my exact feelings on that uh, will come out. But I think that rounds up for the week, unless I've missed yep. anything. No. Okay. So, folks, don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page at motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Best way to get in touch with me is a search for Crack Windscreen on Twitter, or if you do, or if you are on Mastodon, then look in Twitter uh, and in my header info and my bio you'll find the link to or the address to that Mastodon account there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way to do that? Uh
0: well, it's best to use Twitter where I'm at AJP Brad, That's B I A D L E Y. Also, same thing. You can use Mastodon as well. Uh link is in my bio header there because that seems to be safe ish to stop you getting banned. This For week. now <laughs> maybe tomorrow. Who knows? Who can tell? It depends on what somebody's been smoking but irrespective of that we'll be back soon but until then i've been alan bradley i've been Andrew clues and safe motoring